Welcome everybody, you're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning, you are with Lyle and... Renee! Renee, it's good to have you here again today. Thank you, good morning. What are you happy and thankful for this morning? I am very, very happy and thankful for... I should have thought about this earlier. I'll go first then. Okay, please. While you think of one. Okay, all right. I am thankful this morning for free firewood. Free firewood? Very large amounts of free firewood. Ah, where do you find such a thing? In my next door neighbour's property. (laughs) Now, normally, I, I, I never pay for firewood. I've never paid for firewood in my life. I've always been managed to find uh, sources for firewood that have been free. Mm. And that's just been a tremendous blessing. But normally I have to, well, in recent times, I've, I've typically had to travel a little bit of distance to access free firewood. Oh, okay. When it lands in... Well, not your backyard, but your neighbour's backyard, then that's kind of the best kind of free firewood. You don't have to go traipsing through the bush. You don't have to deal with, you know, all of the, you know, uh, sticks and thorns and things that poke you and prod you when you are cutting up firewood in the bush. It's just lying there in somebody's nicely mowed backyard, ready to be cut up and taken away. Excellent. Yes, yeah, so right. my neighbours had to uh, take a tree down that was getting rather huge and ah. dangerous, and there it was with the wood chipper fired up, and I'm like, <gasps> you know what, I'm just going to wander over there and say, maybe shut the wood chipper down <laughs> about, right about now. I'd be happy to take that away. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, you have a fireplace at home. That's really handy. Uh, this free firewood turned up the day after Your fireplace. I, bu- I bought a wood heater for our home. Oh, excellent. I bought a wood head, I brought it home, unloaded it the next day. The neighbours cut down a tree. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, let's have some positively different news. Okay, so this story is about a couple... Christine and Bill Fairbrother. And these, these two, they're retirees. And it's interesting because right now they're really just enjoying life, um, relaxing after many years of work. Um, you see them often these days, um, volunteering at their local church op shop or relaxing on their veranda, watching the butterflies from their garden. But you wouldn't know that they've had quite an extraordinary life. Um, for many years, actually, Christine and Bill Fair, um, Fairbrother have lived and worked in remote Cape York communities. In 1974, the couple responded to an advertisement in the newspaper calling for people, for foster carers, for hearing impaired children. And so they responded to this ad and for the next 33 years of their life, they fostered 110 children and then they launched into nearly two decades, 20 years of prison ministry chaplaincy. Um, last month, Bill, who was a former mechanic, and Christine, his wife, who worked as a seamstress, um, a seamstress while caring for the constant needs of many children, they retired from their volunteering work at the Lotus Glen Correctional Center near Mar- Mariba in far north Queensland. And they've shared that they feel so privileged that they've been able to get to know hundreds of people over the years through fostering uh, as foster parents, some of whom they are still in touch with today. And 110 people who have come into their lives who they've been able to pour into and care for. That's a lot of people. 
Um, and that's a lot of sacrifice on their part as well. I believe that um, Mrs. Fairbrother, Christine, uh, she shared that when they first started fostering, many of the babies they cared for had been born deaf due to German measles. She said that we had a lot of sick children or disabled children, nearly always babies, and would keep them until such time their uh, prognosis was worked out and they could go into long-term care. At one point, the couple was looking after three newborns uh, in additional to their three kids. But at the um, by the time they had less than a fortnight um, that was from newborns, most of them very quickly, they learned to sleep throughout the night, um, them, the, the couple. Um, taking care of so many kids in need meant that the family went through many equipment and many toys, many clothing. Um, so they and they also fa- formed very deep bonds with these children over the many decades. Um, several of their former charges still write to them, let them know how they're going in life and um, how they're thriving, how they have their new family. Um, and quite a few have actually come back to visit them. Um, so yeah, it's been really cool. Not only that is that they have been volunteering at a correctional center. And what I love is that, um, is she says, uh, Christine says, chaplains are the only people that go into prison simply because they want to. So we're no threat to the inmates in there. Um, they know that they talk to us when they talk to them, nothing will go like pass on. They're a safe person. They're a safe person that they can come to. Um, she says that we never ask them what they've done. If they choose to tell us, that's all right, but we're not interested in their past so much as the future and the hope that they can change their lives around. Um, she says that there was a need for chaplains there and they just kept, they, they really just enjoyed going. So, I mean, that's great. And she said, and those who aren't interested in Christianity, that's, that's fine. Like they're just there to talk, um, about trucks and the bush, whatever they need, they can care for them in that way. Um, she says that her and her husband didn't go out of their way to make friends with the, uh, did uh, did not go out of their way to make friends with the prisoners, but some friendships formed naturally. So they've got a few friends around because they've been there for a long time. I know um, in my studies, as you major in chaplaincy, we've studied a bit about chaplain prison uh, prison chaplaincy, and that's a field that's not not many people are in, and it's quite a difficult one because. Um, yeah, it's, it's really hard to get in too. You got to go through the whole processing and which is fair enough. Um, but I love their passion for it and the fact that they love it and they want to be there, um, for people who are experiencing, I guess, isolation and just discouragement. Um, she says, I love that she said, she, she shares that she feels very privileged to be in that space. So that's really cool. Um, in more news, the a Himalayan state in India, because, uh, is the first to give wives co-ownership of ancestral land. Now, this came about during COVID because many, um, many of the husbands had to leave home and so left the wives at home and so they're here and, um, I guess the government recognized, ah, we probably should give the women, um, ownership of the land as well because they're taking care of it as well and it just makes sense. So, um, that's great. <laughs> One of the positive things to come out of COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. Um, so the land ruling called, uh, this really long name. <laughs> I'll just, I'll attempt to say it. You Atarakahand. No, I'm not going to try. <laughs> it's too long. It's set to affect 350,000 women who manage properties alongside or in the absence of their husband. 
Fantastic. It's good to see uh, some of these ancient traditions that have been negative for women disappearing. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Ancestral property normally is in the form, takes the form of like farms and uh, basically mainly farms, which have been trans uh, traditionally passed down on the patriarchal line. But um, as the state migration, uh, as the state has decided, um, they've they've decided that it's only natural that women should be given co-ownership of the land. They share that we should talk about equal partnerships in this ordinance, will pro- uh, which will provide equal partnership to women. They have a major impact that will go a long way in the overall development of the state. Um, so, yes. That's been that's been happening real quick. The A B A R E S A Barnes says value of production is to hit record of sixty six billion as farmers have their best year yet in Australia. So Australia's agriculture sector is booming, with farmers expected to reach a record of sixty six billion dollars um, of their produce this year, despite trade tensions. Um, at the same time, the Australian Bureau of Agricultural and Resource Economics and Science Science woof, has found that fi- food prices has jumped more than 15% as c- customers paid more mm. for um, certain foods. So I guess it's great news for the farmers. Well, uh, I've got a story coming up, if I get time to talk about it, in which cereal prices are expected to go down. Hey, okay. Do you know why? No. no. Swine flu. Oh. So swine flu, there's a new strain that's gone through China and wiped out 8 million pigs. And, of course, those pe- all of the cereal that would be going to those pigs is now going to humans instead. And so the cereal prices should be going down. We've got too, many, too much of it on the market. So there you go. I think it's good to swap. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, so let's talk about some more serious news. Um, I think most people have probably heard of Dr. Ben Carson, world-famous neurosurgeon. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a movie about his life. Uh, He was a presidential candidate in the United States. Um, He was most recently the Secretary for Housing and Urban Development, uh, where he, over the last uh, four or five years, has almost made... Um, homelessness, a thing of the past, really? which has been just absolutely incredible. So a very, very successful individual. Wow. And uh, he's come out with an interesting poem recently, and this has been in response to cancel culture, and, of course, cancel culture has uh, recently attacked a Dr. Seuss. So Dr. Seuss, you know, supports the traditional family values, and even though these are not religious books, they definitely, you know, present a Christian morality, and they're just like... Full of positivity for kids. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're not they're not Jesus stories or Bible stories or anything. They're just positivity. And I remember my kids probably had one or two of those books when they were kids, and they they kind of put a smile on your face. Well, they've all been cancelled now because of cancel culture. Has said that they are somehow racist. Nobody's actually been able to figure out how they are. But um, once you get a little bit of momentum on these things it just sort of everybody jumps in the bandwagon well all the cancel people jump on the bandwagon and suddenly boom they're out of the libraries they're out of the schools they're out of the out of the bookshops they're out of everywhere and they just kind of disappear so uh, dr ben carson has responded he says i do not like to cancel books i do not like the way that looks i do not like it here nor there i do not like it anywhere i do not like it in the store I do not want it anymore. I do think it is past time 
for thoughts to not be a crime. <laughs> I do hope one day to see across my country tis of thee, books used to read and learn instead of set ablaze to burn. Our heritage for all to share, freedom, freedom everywhere, our nation's story rich and vast, our true history taught in class, a special place for all to be, a place known for its liberty. Well done, Dr. Ben Carson. I uh, <laughs> think that is absolutely fantastic piece of. Uh, I think it's safe to say there. he supports. <laughs> I think I think he supports uh, Dr. Seuss, um, and you know, just let. Parents make up their mind on Dr. Seuss, you know. I agree. If yeah. uh, if you want to have it or you don't have it, then, you know, this is part of the responsibility that we are given as parents to raise our children in the way that, you know, that we see best and hopefully raise them to the glory and honour of God. So I just wanted to share that with you and put a smile on my face. A serious story, but with a lighthearted twist to it as mm. well. Okay, so we're going to head across to Barbados now. Uh, this is an interesting one. So the Prime Minister, Mia Amor Motley, uh, back in early February, called for the entire nation to pause for prayer um, across all religions. Regardless of religion, we're going to have a day of prayer. She set aside a Sunday as a day of prayer for the entire nation for COVID. Uh, oh. Barbados was being hit bad, the economy was getting smashed, uh, lots of people in trouble, and so she called the nation to prayer. I think that's a really positive thing to do. You know, you're, if anybody of any faith can join in, and if you're not a person of faith, then you don't have to join in. But mm. it's if you're a pr- person of faith and you're the head of state, I think that's an entirely appropriate thing to do. Now she's kind of uh, taken it a step further and turned it into legislation. Now, when you kind of go down that path, it's like, oh, you're starting to... Okay, now, she's not legislating that everybody has to pray, but what she's legislated is that as they come out of their current COVID lockdown, they're going to have a weekly circuit breaker. So lockdown goes from being every day to being one day a week. In other words... Every Sunday, everything gets to be closed and everybody gets to stay home and it's going to be seen as some kind of circuit breaker to the spread, you know, to slow slow the spread of uh, COVID and so forth, which I found actually really, really interesting. It's part of the reopening strategy. Um, All stores um, and businesses are to be open from Monday to Saturday and then closed on Sunday. (laughs) Now, for, you know, for people like uh, you and I, Renee, who are Seventh-day Adventists, and we worship on Saturday instead of Sunday. You know, and there's other churches that do the same. There's, of course, Muslims, you know, they like Friday, and Jewish people like Saturday as well. It's kind of like, yeah, okay, I get the idea of having a circuit breaker, but this seems to have a bit of a religious feel to it. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of, I don't know, it gets my... uh, my Adventist eschatological <laughs> nerves tingling when I see uh, these kind of uh, laws coming through. Uh, so you'd still be able to buy uh, petrol on uh, Sunday, but nothing else in the store. So you can't walk in and buy something from the Mini Mart or anything like that. You can only buy petrol. So, you know, obviously emergency services and uh, so forth. Now, what's interesting is that there's been um, calls in the Philippines for the same thing. 
Really? Uh, Philippine media have been calling for the same thing. And there's been a whole bunch of articles written in the United States calling for the same thing. Let's have a weekly Sunday circuit breaker mm. so that we can come back out of COVID. Now, this is this has been interesting to see because there's been a lot of uh, secular organisations that have been calling for Sunday legislation because it's good for the planet. How uh, so? Well, if you have if if you've ever been in Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, you wake up in your hotel room and the whole city is silent. There's kind of like no cars on the road. Really? Oh, it's just bizarre. it's amazing. It's not like there's no cars on the road, but it is so quiet. Mm. And they're saying, you know, if you had this, you know, industry and business and everything just closed down for one day a week, look what it would do for the environment. I see. You know, you've, you've, you've seen the COVID lockdowns. You've seen the lack of pollution. You've seen the pollution clouds that have disappeared. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see the effect from space when people go into lockdown. And it's like, well, let's do this once a week. You know, people have enjoyed some family time during lockdown that they haven't had before. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great idea. Let's do it once a week. Let's, let's let the planet breathe once a week. Give the planet a chance to catch up. Well, now those same voices that have been calling for that, and there's been very secular, even atheist organizations that have been calling for uh, Sunday rest, are now being joined by people that are calling for the Sunday COVID circuit breaker. Hmm. So that was interesting. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah, yeah. Makes you think. (laughs) It does. It does. All right. So we've got a little bit of time left here. Uh, What else have we got here? Um, in Victoria, a uh, parliamentary committee down in Victoria has called on the Victorian government, and nothing surprises me from Victoria anymore, but to ban the swastika. Now, on the surface, we go, yeah, fine, we hate Nazi symbols. You know, who doesn't detest Nazi symbols? However, the swastika is an ancient symbol. I mean, this goes back thousands of years and it's used by Hindu people, it's used by Buddhist people, it's used by Shinto people, uh, Jainism, and I've got a whole slew of photos on my computer of swastikas that I took photos of in Christian churches right across Europe. I nearly got kicked out of the, I think it was the cathedral in Mainz in Germany. Mm. Um, I was there like, oh, this is, we're in Germany and there's a swastika in this church. And the swastika was like 400 years old and I'm taking a picture of it and the Germans are very sensitive about that kind of stuff and... Yeah, I did that, that, that sort of like, yeah, had to move on rather quickly and pretend like, yeah, nothing to see here, not taking any photos here. Um, and so, you know, there's issues here of free speech, there's issues of freedom of religion, mm. um, and that all, freedom of religion and freedom of speech is going to come with a cost. It means that we have to allow speeches mm-hmm. and religions that we don't like. I do not like Satanism, mm. but I will fight for a person's right to choose that religion if they want to do so, mm. because that's what religious liberty is. That's what I can't we need remember to stand what for. the next song was, but I'm learning as we go what we're going to be singing. These folks have got songs.
back, guys. Well, that was Sandra Enderman with... Uh, I, I, I do believe that was a small take from her Friday evening... Sabbath sing-alongs. Sabbath sing-along. Yeah. Which is absolutely amazing. Now, we're going to talk to Sandra in just a moment. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Sandra Enderman is joining us on the phone right now. Sandra, welcome to the show. Good morning. Now, Sandra, are you How coming, are you doing? We're all doing fantastically. You're calling. We're calling you from. You're, we're calling you up in Queensland, where I understand it's a little bit earlier up there than what it is down here. Only just a little bit, not too early. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I recently interviewed somebody else from Queensland, and they're like. Oh, can we do this as a pre-record? It's too early. I mean, I'm thinking the sun is shining. The sun is up. Uh, well, it's cloudy here, so the sun's trying to shine. So, Sandra, um, just to introduce you to our listening audience, um, mm-hmm. your your day to day job is glazing, right? Yeah, all things flat glass, windows, doors, top fronts. That's right. Okay, so you're a, you're a tradie. Um, which is mm-hmm. fantastic, and uh, you also are quite a famous singer. We play a lot of your music here on Faith FM, so a, a tradie with talents. Yeah, I say mending broken windows during the weekend, mending broken hearts on the weekend. Oh, nice. <laughs> Good call. I like that. Uh, that's fantastic. Now, you have yeah. started an online Phenomena, which has just um, taken the world by storm and is absolutely amazing. Can you tell us a little bit of the story of how this happened? Uh, And then we'll talk Mm. about, uh, yeah, what kind of things you actually get into. Well, I I have a humble music ministry, you know, uh, prior to that, that, you know, when God opens doors, I will walk through. And so singing, you know, has taken me to many countries around the world and I've been able to sing, take time off work and, and go sing for Jesus. So that's been awesome. And look, COVID hit and everyone's calendars just cleared and stopped and, and everything, you know, came to a standstill. And so about a month in to the lockdown, I started to just feel the effects of not being involved in music ministry. So and, that, that would have been um, about, what, 12 months ago? It was it was April twenty four to be exact. It was Friday night, April twenty four, and um, I knew that just down the road, my brother was had a house full of people. <laughs> he had his you know, wife and three kids, and his eldest son's spouse and daughter's boyfriend. Everyone was living in the home, stuck there together, and I knew it would be awesome in that home, and they'd be having all the fellowship and the fun. And so I'm, I was starting to feel the need to get out of the house and go hang out with them and make some music. And so just because I knew I was missing music and fellowship, I figured maybe, just maybe there's other people who are feeling that same, you know, lack and need. And so we decided that instead of just singing and hanging out together, let's, let's download that Facebook app onto the phone, which was oh, something I never wanted to do. But we downloaded the app and hit that live button. And, um, yeah, so, so people could start just requesting their favorites and we would 
take those requests and see them. So we were blessed and we were able to bless others at the same time. Okay, so how does how does this actually work? You just sit there with uh, somebody's phone with the camera going, um, yeah, jump in front of the piano, yeah. a couple of musicians, yeah. a couple of singers, and just have kind of like a jam session. That's it. That's all it was. And it still is that. I mean, last Friday night sounded a little bit more high-tech because we were in a recording studio at Tweed Valley Adventist College and um, so that was slightly different but all the other 42 sing-alongs to that moment and the ones from this Friday onwards will be just exactly as you described. It's just a, a phone and a musician and three vocalists at least so that there's three-part harmony and, and a, you know, accompaniment and, and away we go. And sometimes we have songs that we would love to try on for size and so we'll choose the songs and, and, and just you know, have some fun, but otherwise we're looking at the request. People are typing madly in their requests. And I suppose the interesting thing about this, Lyle, is that in normal worship services at churches, um, a praise and worship team, a band, whatever, they have pre-chosen the songs that we're going to sing. You know, so we go to church and we just have to do whatever's decided for us, you know, singing-wise. So the organic... Sabbath sing-along on a Friday night allows people to go back to the old school era of where you, they take favourites. You know, a song leader up there would just say, now who's got a favourite, you know? And so people are getting to request songs that haven't been sung in years, that no one's singing anymore. And I suppose we're a bit known for that now, that we're doing a lot of old school music because it's hymns and it's old choruses and stuff from yesteryear a lot of the time. You know, a few modern ones <laughs> keep the young ones happy. <laughs> so, so with this, when when you've got requests coming through, do you often get requests of for songs that you actually don't know? Look, there's a couple of songs that people request that I think, ah, I think I've heard that, but I just don't know that I could do it justice. And and maybe not all of the musicians on that night, the singers, you know, might not know it. You know, some of us might, some of us others might not. So there's many requests that come through that appear to fall on deaf ears. Number one, you can't keep up with the request because there's too many flying in. But yes, there's always bound to be songs requested that someone in the group will not know. You know, So I'm just always peeling through those requests as I'm singing, as I'm reading, just trying to find ones that I think, yep, everyone on tonight's team should know that song. So at the end of the you know the song that we're singing, we'll say, hey, does everyone know this one? This one's been requested? No? Okay, what about this one? <laughs> you know, so it's just all very organic and, and yeah. um, fun. No, that's amazing. That's that sounds like so much fun, uh, right there. So you're doing this live, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So you so don't, everything can go wrong. Everything can go. Well, that was my next question. How often does something go wrong, and and how do you respond to that? I mean, do you just roll with it and laugh it off and keep going? You just you 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 got it. That's it. <laughs> well, I, you know, early days I had um, a phone, you know, the phone fell, fell over because I didn't have a little cradle to hold it. You know, just sitting it on the music stand of the keyboard, so it's just fallen over. You know, or I've accidentally pr- pressed the flip button where the screen's flipped and it's just all gone black and I didn't understand what had happened. So the viewers can still hear us, but it's just black, you know, when one of the young ones pick it up. I'm Sandra. You pressed the flip button. <laughs> yeah, and oh, you might have dodgy reception somewhere because I'm in a different home every week. I'm trying to go, go to the people's homes that are participating with me rather than expecting everyone to come to me every week. I travel around to different houses. But the reception might be dodgy and then um, people will be typing in, I've got no picture. <laughs> so... Yeah, there's all sorts. Oh, all we mess up songs. We butcher people's favourites. You know, that's that's always 
risky because we think we know the song and then find out halfway through, oh, we don't really know this one. <laughs> but it's all in the name of keeping it organic and real. So people are very gracious and understanding. I think they're just grateful that something's happening where, you know, globally, we feel like we're this global village where everyone can hang out in this one spot together. They see each other and they're commenting to each other, you know, while we're busy trying to sing to them, they're having their own chat. <laughs> so it's just really nice and informal and, yeah. That is absolutely fantastic. Um, now, you mentioned that you move around between different people's homes and so forth and sort of spread the love around a bit. I think that's great. Uh, you mentioned also that you've usually got, say, three vocalists, three, you know, a mm-hmm. number of musicians and so forth. Do you have some regulars that are kind of the ones that you uh, always call on and then bring in a couple of others? Or sometimes yeah. is it an entirely new team? Yeah. Yes and yes. Yes. You're onto it. Are you, are you a singer along with you or are you? <laughs> That's a brilliant question, and you're right on with your predicted answer. So I do have set, set participants that I know I can call on. My family, um, a Samoan team, uh, another team of um, musicians that I travel with regularly pre-COVID, you know, ones that I have a whole repertoire and, and, and do music ministry with. And then another team that came together as a result of COVID. Um, and so those ones were the originals that I would just go through. Once we were able to start moving about and not be in such a lockdown, um, I left family and started including these others and then we'd come back to family, you know, on, on roster. <laughs> but um, as the months have rolled on, yeah, I've got so many friends and so many more that I still haven't even involved yet. So it will keep going where every now and then there'll be a new face. And I suppose variety, as they say, is the spice of life. And with new faces, new participants, that brings new uh, viewership because everyone has their little um, sphere of influence that when we tag them that they're going to be in the sing-along, then their friends and family are interested to see what it's about. And the thing that I'm really excited about is that, you know, when I started this, I was mindful of a bunch of people in my own Facebook um, friends list who have very different worldviews to my own, people who are not Christians, who, I, who don't identify um, as a Christian and don't share that belief. And they certainly have never heard of the Sabbath. Well, they have heard of it because of me, but, you know, they don't, they don't keep it. And so I'm really excited about the fact that a lot of them are tuning in each week and they're telling me, yeah, you know, we're not Christians, we're not into Christian music, but we love the harmony, we love the banter, we love to just sit down at the end of a busy week and um, be a part of your evening. And so I'm just really just excited that a lot of the other people who are believers but who are sharing it, we're not asking people to share or like, that's not our mantra, we just go live and do our thing, but people are sharing it and it's going into places that, you know, people who are not believers of God are hearing and and being a part of this little Friday night thing as the world turns, you know, they're, they're watching it in their countries, even though it's not live anymore, they're participating like as if it's live, so it keeps momentum over the weekend, so that's really special. Mm, that's fantastic. Um, Sandra, this has become a global phenomenon, and you've just sort of been mentioning that. I've sat in committee meetings where various online events have been planned and, you know, 
large and significant events. And you know, you hear the comments coming through from different committee members, like, "Well, we can't uh, we can't go live on Friday evening be- between these hours and these hours because um, <laughs> there is you know Friday night that's singing." Sandra. Yeah, that's Sandra. That's Sandra's <laughs> spot. You can't have Sandra's spot. Oh no! Um, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. So so this has become a major uh, a major phenomenon. How many how many people do you have that actually tune in live? from around the world. Yeah, you could really keep your Friday night things. You could still do your Friday night things. We don't have that much of a pull during the live. Okay, so how many, how many listeners would you else. have to a, uh, across the weekend, how many would you have in total? Uh, so across the weekend, there's an average of about 70,000. But um, on the actual event itself during the live, there's only ever between 800 to 1,000 1,200 max people watching at any one time. So they're coming in and out. A lot of people aren't just sitting there for the whole hour and a half. They're busy doing their thing or they're scrolling through Facebook. <laughs> more interesting and then they're coming back because by the time the live is finished, it might so instantly that, hey, there were 12,000 views. Even though we only ever had 1,200 viewers, you know, or 800 viewers at one time. So I'm keenly aware that we're not retaining our audience the whole way through those same, you know, 1,000 people. They're changing. They're changing. So at the end of the, the live, yeah, the numbers are instantly up. But as the course of the weekend happens and then into the next week, those views then just steadily go up to, to an average of 70,000, max 135,000 views, um, 130,000, you know, that kind of thing. So, With restrictions easing yeah. off here in Australia, has that resulted in viewership decreasing or is it still continuing to increase? Australian viewership may probably be decreasing. I can't check those statistics because um, it goes live on my own personal Facebook profile. It's not, a, it's not a public page. It's not something that shows you all those stats of, you know, the demographic of your viewers and how long they watch for and things like that. So I can't know those stats, but... What I can know is what people tell me. And so people will type in, oh, no, I've got some Friday night commitment at my church. I'm going to have to watch this later. Or, ah, oh, you know, I'm stuck at work. Or, you know, so the Australian viewership, I would think, would be down because life here in Australia has gotten a lot back to normal, especially here in Queensland. But the rest of the world, so many places are still isolated and still struggling through this pandemic. And so the viewers are increasing by way of, um, you know, watch people watching after the live around yeah. the rest of the globe. So. This fantastic ministry that you got got happening there, Sandra, and it's always good to have you come here on, and join us on the Faith FM Breakfast Show. We're going to have to move on with the show right now, but very quickly, how do we actually find, how do we actually find the uh, Friday evening uh, Sabbath sing-along? Yeah, great question. I'm putting the in the dressing thing. You need to click follow on the actual page. It's Sandra Enterman, E-N-T-E-R-M-A-N-N. Sandra Enterman is just my Facebook, you know, my own name, Facebook profile, and there is a follow button. So I can't accept all the friend requests. That's just a bit too overwhelming. So instead there's a follow button, which means that whenever I go live, on these public things, you won't miss them. 
Thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM. That was Sandra Endman. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.